Super Mario Brothers, do you have what it takes to save the Mushroom Princess? chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. Hey, Joe. And uh, just for anybody wondering, we'll have Sean and Sam on later, but I couldn't get them all at the same time. So I got Joe coming <laughs> we're, we're first. busy people. Yeah, you know, this is every time. Well, you know, you were remote for a while. I was. I had, and, a, I had a blanket for it to record. And now you're here, so I'm just happy to get you. And so uh, that's why we're kind of doing these at different points. But that's not the point of today's episode. Today we're talking about Super Mario Brothers, which is kind of funny because for the Famicom, this is like a swan song before the Famicom disc system comes. But on the NES, it's like treated as, a, you know, it's a launch game. It's treated as like a big deal for the console to show off its superior power. Right. I mean, it was the I mean, it was the best thing out there at the, at the time. Yeah. And so it's just funny how like one console is ending in Japan while yeah. the other one is just starting. But I think that that also shows the difference between the NES and the Famicom. I think a lot of people think of them as the same exact architecture and they really weren't. The Famicom disk system offered a ton of improvements that the NES already had. If You know, we never really got an NES disk system over here. Right. Well, to, I'll be totally if I'm being totally honest, I, I'm actually not. Never been 100% clear on what the difference is between the two consoles, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, and so just a, a brief thing that I know we talked about maybe on the first episode is that when Nintendo was developing a console over here for North America, they went through a couple different things, and they were even going to work with Atari at one point to make the Nintendo AVS, which was, I guess, like the advanced video system or something like that, and Atari was going to work on it with them. That deal fell through, and probably for good reason. I don't think Atari would have been the best partner for Nintendo. But now we have the NES, we have the 17 launch games, and here we are with Super Mario Brothers, designed by Shigeru Miyamoto and Takahashi Tezuka. And I know Miyamoto, that's like a common name now, not only on this podcast, but in the uh, world. Yeah, right. Everybody knows him. And uh, I feel like Tezuka doesn't get really that great of a, a rap. Yeah, but, his name definitely doesn't have that recognition that Miyamoto does. But he's responsible for probably just as many things in Super Mario Brothers, and I think as we're about to kind of uncover here, he's really responsible for a lot of the major parts of this game game that I think people associated with it being so good. So just to give a little backstory here, Tezuka talks about the initial concept in an interview with uh, Iwata back in like 2004. And so he says, the initial concept behind Super Mario was that we wanted a dynamic, athletic kind of game that would be set on land, sea, and air, and that would feature a large character. Now, <laughs> a large character? I know that these he, things... He gets large, I guess, when he, uh, when he gets a mushroom. I'm not sure if these are just like bad translations, you know, like, right. like if they're just taking like the most generic word to ascribe these things. But I think it is kind of interesting to think about how the Japanese talk about these video games, because, again, like, do you ever think of Mario as like we want a dynamic athletic kind of game and the game should take place on land, sea and air? Like, is, is that how you would? I mean, I it? guess it, I can't deny that it does those things. I right. mean, it, athletic is kind of a weird word because we have sports games, but uh but it makes sense. I mean, it's it's definitely he's definitely an athletic plumber. Um, yeah, and I think like what's also interesting here is because they're talking about the land, sea, and air. Is that you know Super Mario Brothers kind of, and I'm not I'm not going to go out there and say they invented the platformer. Uh, there were kind of games right. that were already like that. I mean, Pitfall comes to mind on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I don't think that's a platformer game. I think it's more of like action adventure. But it definitely has like similar structure. 
to like a Super right. Mario Brother game. But Super Mario Brothers really like changes everything about the platformer genre and just about video games in general. Definitely. And and the only thing that uh confuses me a little bit about that is the uh the air aspect of it cuz I don't know that uh, Super Mario Bros the original didn't have a lot yeah, in the I, way of air. Yeah, I can see them thinking about the air and just like, you know, in terms of space, like right, just like the jumps jumping and the, and the yeah, leaps yeah. where there's no ground beneath right, you, right. you know, where you're kind of like thinking that of makes like sense. World 1, 3, I know you're on like those mushroom Yeah, I guess that's true, you are like kind that. of in the sky there. I'm thinking more of like later Mario games where you can actually like fly or you're in the clouds where it's like more aesthetically air. Right, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and who knows, I mean, I can only wonder how many things they wanted to do in this game that's already pushing the limitations of the Famicom, not necessarily the NES, but definitely pushing the limitations of the Famicom to its brink. And they probably wanted to do so much more that they couldn't really get around until, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers 2 or Super Mario Brothers 3. Right. So Super Mario Brothers started off, uh, Tezuka mentions as a large character, it was really just a 16 by 32 pixel square. Okay, that's how they were designing the game. Like you mean, Mario was Mario was a square first, and like not even a character. Right, but this is for the prototype. This is for the prototype. But they're just designing the levels. They're really focusing on that aspect of it. Mario only became the main character in this game once Tezuka saw the sale figures for Mario Brothers. So this game oh, never had to be a oh, Mario so it wasn't, game. It wasn't even supposed to be Mario the character at all. The character at all. This was not a. This was not decided that it was going to be Super Mario and it Brothers. Was, it was Mario Brothers that did it, not Donkey Kong. So that's the interesting point, and something that I thought about too is why would it be Mario Brothers? And here's what Tezuka has to say about it. This is another quote from Tezuka. Well, at lunchtime, I'd often wander to various offices and chat to the people from other departments, so I'd become friendly with people that way. Anyway, I was shown the sales figures, and I saw that although Mario Brothers on the Famicom had been released over a year previously, it was still selling consistently well. It became at that point where I said, put Mario into the game, and it'll boost the sales figures. So interesting, interesting that yeah. Donkey Kong is definitely responsible for Mario Brothers in that sense, right. you know, like developing right. those characters. But uh, it's another instance of an NES game that has Mario included in it only after the fact, right. not really designed uh, with Mario in mind. Right, because I, I don't know if you had a similar experience, but growing up, you know, after all of this, I, you know, I always knew that Super Mario Brothers Mario came from Donkey Kong, but it wasn't until I was a lot older that I had even heard of just the original Mario Brothers. Yeah, it seems... For me, the canon is also weird because I think we are, we're not, uh, 80s kids. We don't have this arcade background. So Donkey Kong isn't even really that important to us. I would say Super Mario Brothers is like a lot more important. And so for me, I always thought Super Mario Brothers is like the beginning. You know, I don't even think about Mario Brothers or Wrecking Crew or Donkey Kong, Donkey right. Kong Jr. Donkey Kong Jr. is where we get the Mario name. Uh, in Donkey Kong, he's just Jumpman. So there's all these important games that come before it. But I think everyone kind of sees Super Mario Brothers as... Right, because that's the first one where the gameplay feels like what we now know What as we now know is Mario, Mario, right. I think it would almost be interesting to see what a Mario Brothers sequel would be without Super in it, you know, like <laughs> right. just like a sewer-based well, Brooklyn of, game. Uh, that's kind of uh, what we get in um, Super Mario Brothers 3. There's Super Mario, there's Mario Brothers levels built into it. Oh, yeah. That are in, you know, I don't know if you call it an engine on a right, on right, NES, right. but they use the, I guess, engine of the Super Mario Brothers 3 
Yeah, uh, I mean, game. yeah, they definitely already had the programming there anyway. Right. So, yeah, it's a good point to bring that up. Uh, so just just one more thing that I think is kind of surprising about, besides the fact that Mario was added to the game late, is that the idea of Super Mario and calling it Super Mario Brothers only happened when the Super Mushroom was added to the game. Originally, you were just going to be the large character, and uh, then they developed the Super Mushroom to kind of have like a you know, a life system within the life system. Right. So it wasn't like an instant death. Right. And then they said, oh, well, you know, if it's called the Super Mushroom, make it the Super Mario Brothers. And I, I, I think it's funny, even Brothers, you know, getting added to this. It's like almost each part of this title has a story. Right. The Super from yeah. the Super Mushroom, Mario because of the sales of Mario Brothers, and Brothers because they had the two-player mode. Yeah. All right, and if this beginning of this episode wasn't filled with enough surprises... Uh, They did reveal, kind of around the time I think Super Mario Maker was coming out, they started talking about different control schemes that they had originally planned. And one of the original control schemes for Super Mario Brothers involves up being being mapped to, um, or sorry, jump being mapped to up instead of the A button, which I think is... Crazy and would have completely. It's crazy now, but I I understand why that that was their thought process. Yeah, it would would be terrible. Yeah, yeah, it would be terrible just from a how much you're using your left and right Right. already, and then to have to like fidget your thumb to push the up button. I think it would have been a totally. It would have been a a more um, finite experience of the game because you wouldn't be able to do all of the uh, like loose controlling of you're running on one side on one thumb and you're pressing the buttons on the other. Right. Uh, but here's the real twist, is that A was mapped to attack. Attack? Attack. Like, like, like you would actually uh, be, like, before they had ever discovered, like, jumping on the enemies would be a good idea, they were planning to have it, like, power-ups that you could use to attack. So you, if you had just your bare hands, you would attack with your fist. Oh, like, it, like you'd have to close combat. Yeah, like, close combat those Goombas. You wouldn't be able to jump on them. You'd have to attack huh. and punch them. And then if you got the rifle, it acted the as, rifle. like... The <laughs> See, this is, this is crazy. I'm bringing it up so casually, but this was a plan. Before the they rifle. ever thought So would that just be, like, the fire flower, or... Uh, I guess it would... Con- I mean, I don't think it would act are we like talking an like, actual we talking gun. Call of Duty here? Or? Yeah, all <laughs> All of a sudden, you enter like a first-person eight-bit mode. mode. Uh, I think that's just crazy that they were thinking about causing an attack uh, yeah. instead of that would be a totally different game. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would also like think about how Mario would be different today. Yeah, like, he'd be, if he he'd be attacked, gritty, they kind of they put attacks into the later games, like um, in Super Mario sixty four. There is a punch, but who uses that? Yeah, like, I didn't even I, know there was. I default to jumping on things yeah. because that's how I know Mario. And in Galaxy. There's like the spin uh, where if you flick the um, Wii, uh, the Wii mote and the nunchuck, it's like a spin that he can do that'll instantly attack anyone, and that's like a little cheap. But again, like something that like anyone who's played Mario games doesn't res- resort to that really. You're always thinking first, like I gotta jump right, on right. this thing, like that's Mario's thing. But I think that what's important there is to think about how like once they got rid of A to attack and made the game about jumping on the enemies. That's really showing how they started to focus so much on the jump. And I think that's what I want to talk about now is kind of like the movement and gameplay. Right. Well, I mean, the gameplay, the movement for me is like it's pretty, pretty close to perfect for that time. Like, I mean, as far as like the weight that Mario has and the physics compared to 
other games at that time, like jumping and moving feels so much more realistic. I as think the as only thing similar sounds. in our launch games is uh, Ice Climber and Kung Fu. Right. And both we've talked about already. And Ice Climber, we definitely had some problems with the uh, with the movement. Ice Climber's movement, is, it, especially the jump, is poor. Right. And I think with Kung Fu, while we like the ability to go forward and back and not right. have that kind of restriction, I think that had a huge problem with its jump as well right. and also well, just I, I think movement options. The, like the jump... For Kung Fu for that game is is fine. It, it's okay in that game, but you could never program that jump into a Mario game and have it be fun because there's right. too much fast pace, you know, platforming that you have to do. That's um, you know, Mario having. I don't remember when it was explained to me as weight. But when I heard that, I was like, that makes the most sense because yeah, you land on the ground. He kind of has a little momentum and it, it makes it feel a little more real. I think it's all floaty. about the momentum. But I think another really cool part about the jump is that just depending on how long you've been running and how hard you hold your jump button, you can jump so many. There's so many different options to jump. It's not like, you know, there is a limit to how far you can jump. But in between the max that you can jump and the minimum amount you can jump, there are so many options. And I think that's what, where Mario really shines is that, like, with Ice Climber, once you hit the jump button, you're forced to go all the way up right. and wait to come back down. With Mario, you can just go as small as, like, two tiles right. over or as many as eight, I think. And that must have to do with just how long you're holding the button, right? Yeah, but also as, as well as how long you're holding the run because it's, right. it's like an arc. So really, right. if you think about it, I mean, like, I know that the number of possible jumps is limited to a certain amount, but it's actually a ridiculously right. high number yeah, for an a NES of, game. There's a lot of finesse involved in, in, in that those two buttons, you know, that you're using to control right. it. And I mean, I know that we're really talking hard about this jump right now, but I mean, you would describe that as the game, no? Like, yeah, It's a exactly. jumping it's, simulator. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a couple of things, you know, you got the fire flower and you got the, you know... I guess, and the star, I guess. Yeah, the star but, is like something I, you know, that's hard to find. It's like the one-up mushroom. Right. You don't see those as often. They're prolific, you know, but yeah. they're really not found that often. All right, so real fast, before we go any further, let's rewind time for a little bit, because we know this isn't your first time playing the game like some of our other NES games. So tell me about your earliest Super Mario Brothers experience. So it's it's tough for me to actually pinpoint my earliest experience with it, with this game because it's just it's just that game that's always kind of been there in the you know in my subconscious I guess you know it's always right. you know I had an NES growing up I've always had this game and it was always overshadowed because I had um, Super Mario Brothers three um, as well yeah which, having you know, that I, knowledge ahead of you right is, yeah so I mean it was one that I would always go play but then I would usually like play Super Mario Brothers three um, so you know I. I Obviously, you know, I've played it a lot when I was a kid, but I don't think I ever played through and beat it when I was a kid because I always had another option that I that I preferred. Right. Um, when you played it as a kid, did it, did it feel old to you? No, but there's there's a reason for that with with a lot of the games that I played on the NES, and that's just because. I mean, I, I was born in 1990, so your NES material. I mean, right, you know, right. But when I once I was older, once I was you know old enough to start playing it, Super Nintendo was was out. And right. 64 was even out eventually. But, you know, I didn't realize that I was playing an outdated machine. I just thought that these were video games. Yeah, and they were awesome. Just... And I, you know, and I would go to, a, you know, a, a yard sale and buy a box of video games for like 50 cents. And I just thought that's what video games were. <laughs> yeah, things you could buy for 50 are. cents. Um, so none of them really felt old to me. They, 
I never really thought of it as like, oh, the N64 is the new one and the NES is the old one. I used to just think like, oh, NES is for 2D games and N64 is for 3D games. It's almost like it's an incredible perspective. It's it's almost like you were living in a time capsule right, for right. a little bit. But I think a lot of people had that perspective because you wouldn't have uh, NES games being made all the way up until 1994 if there wasn't a market for them. I think a lot of right. people did, especially because console gaming was still so early, I think a lot of people were reluctant to like get a Super Nintendo Nintendo or you know the next the next next console to keep moving because it was like I have the NES this has provided me enjoyment from 85 to 91 why give up right. on it now like why do I need the Super Nintendo so that, that's your earliest memory uh, I'll go real fast with my earliest Super Mario Bros. memory is actually Super Mario Bros. is not my first game uh, my first game was Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy and that that'll be uh, something that I always hold dear to me. You know, that's the first game that I ever beat as well. It's one of I don't know if it's my first it's game, but very, it's one of my first games as well. It's a very easy game to beat, but you don't know that as a kid. Right. And it's also a very short experience. I think that's an enjoyable game that right. I would easily recommend to anybody, whether you're a pro gamer or just a casual person. Uh, but that's not the point here. What I'm trying to talk about is that Super Mario Bros. for me actually came even later than Super Mario 64. If you oh, can wow. believe that. Now, I was very young uh, when Super Mario 64 came out. I think I was like three or four years. Four years old sounds right. I was four years old in 96. My mom got it for Christmas. It was She was uh, enthralled by just the 3D graphics, and she liked Mario. She knew Mario from uh, previous games. So I had played Super Mario 64, like played it. You know, I wasn't really right, playing. right. And I remember going over to my grandmother's house, and she had an NES uh, for reasons I don't know. I never really <laughs> even, you know, I can't even ask her now. But, like, that's just an interesting thing that she had at the house. And I remember playing Donkey Kong on that. And then my cousin played Super Mario Brothers. And I remember seeing Super Mario Brothers. And just when you see that for the first time, I think the visuals of everything are iconic enough that it sticks with you because when I finally started to play Super Mario Bros., and I think the first way I played Super Mario Bros. was actually on Super Mario All-Stars uh, for the Super Nintendo, it right. was like it was already familiar to me, even though I had never really touched it before. It's like it's ingrained in video game culture that in some ways or another, it's already been kind of like communicated to you what Super Mario Bros. is. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's the experience a lot of people had, too. It's like Super Mario is like, I mean, it's like Mickey Mouse, you know, he's there. He's in the culture. So right, when, you, exactly. when you pick up any of these games, like you kind of already have a, a knowledge of, of the character. Yeah. So so now uh, preparing for this episode, what what are your reactions? What are your initial impressions on Reboot? <laughs> to be honest, my, initially, when I first started playing it, I kind of got a little worried. I was like, is this is this not going to live up to kind of the hype of like the nostalgia everyone has right. and that I have. Yeah, I think that's a I think that is a concern because you you immediately, I don't know about you, but I immediately want to put it on the essential games list cuz it's like a no-brainer, right. right? It's one of those like legendary games. But then you think about it and you're like what if I don't like this? Like, right. What if this is too old now? Right. And and will it ever be too old? I guess is a good question as well. But it, I think as soon as I opened up the game and started playing it and like going through the levels again, I think that immediately those things were kind of, like, shaken off. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I actually wondered if it was going to make the Essentialist, and even after I, like, first started playing it, I think because I had, growing up, I had been so used to Super Mario Brothers 3, the slight difference in the feel of it, at first, I kind of took as, like, oh, this does feel a little outdated, but, uh, but kind of, like you said, too, is as soon as I really started playing it and got into the flow of it, I think I... Pretty early on, I kicked a turtle shell at like one of the flying Koopas 
And I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, this is really fun. <laughs> right. Uh, and there were a lot of things like that where I, it, it just getting into the flow of it and kind of, you know, you, you get a fire flower and you're, you're sniping, <laughs> you're sniping I, I think like as you go. And one of the biggest problems that people who have played this game in the past and revisit it, one of the biggest problems they probably have is the fact that they know it all, you know, or right. at least they think right. they know it all. And there's like, there's kind of like this incentive to just rush through it and you just hold down B the entire time, rush through the course. I don't think, that that's the way Super Mario Brothers is intended to be played. Right. I it's really, fun to explore the world. Right, yeah, right. And, and, and figure it out, too. Like right. You're going to get so many easy deaths if you just rush through this thing and don't see that Koopa that was planted at that, you know, like at the start of that other segment. Right. You know? So I think, like, really, when you're playing this game, especially because you only have three lives and then it's back to the very beginning of the game, you really want to make sure that you're approaching this from a standpoint right. of, like, you know that you don't know it all, and right. that you will be surprised. And, and if you and if you don't know all the secrets, and you're just running through, you're going to miss some extra lives, which are pretty important in this. Right? Uh, yeah, I think extra lives right. are really key in here, and it's kind of funny now that lives are in video games are like garbage because yeah, yeah, like, you, you, nobody really yeah. wants them. But in this game, they're done really well, and they're done in a way that doesn't. It's not so arcadey as it is kind of like a a part of the experience. It's like a three strikes, you're out kind of right. thing. And, and the game is short enough where it doesn't bother me too much that after three strikes or after losing your lives, you go all the way back. Whereas if it was as long as Super Mario Brothers 3... Yeah, that, that would be, be crazy. Yeah, that would be a disaster. That would not, that would not be good. Um, but but it's funny that you talk about it being short. I always thought of Super Mario Brothers as a very long game, if only because, you. I mean, there's 32 levels, but then on top of that, it's like when you do eventually die, you will not make it all the way to 84 right. on your first run. It's kind of like, you know, in a way, that's the replay value is like now you've now you're learning to master these levels and approach them in a different way than the first time you experienced them. And now you know about that Goomba in uh, one, two that's going to come from the top and and drop right, down. Right. Like now, you know, not to be big in that particular section because you're most likely going to get hit. It's It's funny how. Uh, the game is actually pretty long just because of the way that the back to the beginning mechanic works in a way that isn't like reset frustration. Like it's it's not a, oh, I just lost all my lives. I'm going to shut this game off now. I think right. it is kind of like you want to get back in. Right. And, and, you know, you might take some time in between, but the next time you come back to it, you're a little better at it, like you said. And um, and it also has a good amount. You'll discover more of the secrets along the way. Like that's another thing I I discovered, like a hidden vine. Yeah, and I and I do now after seeing it remember that from a, when I was a kid. Was but I totally in, forgot there were vines in was that this in game. Too, I don't remember. Yeah, was it remember. a cave level? Do you remember? I think it was outside. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because there yeah. are some other vines, but four two has the most notorious uh, uh, vine because that's the warp zone to world eight. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you can also warp there by using the fir- the two you warp zones. Wa- yeah, right? yeah, from one two you can get to four, and then from four two you can get right, to. Right. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, so I don't want to go too much more in depth. But I want to save some stuff for um, Sam and Sean. Right. But I'd love to hear just like you know some stray thoughts you have about this game. You know, twenty years after the first time you right. played it. Um. Well, you know, a couple things that uh, for the, maybe one of the biggest things I noticed that I don't remember from when I was a kid is how important at least the way I play the game, how important the fire flower is. Yeah. It might not be the same depending on like how you play it, but I, I got pretty used to like having the comfort of, you know, being able to shoot enemies before they get too close to me. And like, 
don't know, when you lose that fire flower after having it for a while, like you really kind of feel it. You're like, oh, Especially now I you lose have the to be a lot flower, more careful. You lose that fire flower and you go back to being mini Mario. Yeah, you don't even go that's back right. to not giant a, Mario. There's not an in between. And how funny is it when you are, um, when you're giant Mario, see the fire flower. I don't even know if this is happening, but this happened to me a few times. You're giant Mario. You see the fire flower power up. You get hit by a Goomba. You touch that fire flower, and you only become. Uh, Super Mario again. You don't become right. Fire uh, yeah, that's, Mario. It's that's like, happened en- enough where I remember that. Right, too, that's the Fire Flower. Yeah. I want that power up. I can't believe that that, that yeah. works that way. What else you got? You can't not talk about the Hammer Brothers. Yes. Because there are a lot of Mario games, but in this Mario game, they're pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> I think they're actually the most brutal uh, enemy in the game outside of World 8 Bowser, which is actually really satisfying to see World 8 Bowser essentially be a Hammer Brother. It's almost like they knew the Hammer right. Brothers are the worst right. and so and we'll just, just like, make yeah. Bowser an iteration of right. that. Right, and, and my initial strategy for them was the same as my strategy when uh, when Lakitu shows up, okay. which is just which, run <laughs> as yes. fast as I can. Um, yeah, in fact, if you're running in a Lakitu stage, you can just outrun him to the point where he'll never throw spiders right, in front right. of you. <laughs> but for the uh, Hammer Bros, I did eventually have to start thinking, like, okay, like, I gotta figure out where to go, like, which platform to go on, and, like, when to get over them, when to get around them, because, like, it's almost like a constant stream of hammers, like, <laughs> right. there's no gap in those. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Hammer Brothers are definitely tough, and I think, like, as soon as you pass one of them... You know, like when you when you try to make a run for it on this platform, they're not on. They like immediately drop down onto that platform, and it's like, come on, did they know that I was about to run through right, them? Right, right. And it, and as little as I like remember about the specifics of this game from my childhood, um, I didn't forget about where those damn Hammer Brothers were. Like every time I came to a Hammer Brother, like I remembered them like a like a repressed memory. It was I like, think the only one where they're incredibly tricky is. Uh, I think it's 8-3, the stage before you get to Bowser's Castle. And I just remember there being a lot of them, and some of them aren't even necessarily on platforms. They're also just on the normal right. ground floor level. And it's and it's just like, you think you've gotten through them, and then there's another pair, and then there's a guy by himself, and then there's another <laughs> pair. It might be in World 7 now that I think about it, like one of the World 7 levels, but it's one of those final stages where it's just like incredibly cruel, especially right. when you think about how many lives you have, and to work all the way up to that point, that's one of the more difficult parts of Super Mario Brothers, no doubt. Right. Difficulty-wise, though, I think the game scales pretty well. I yeah, for the think... most part. I-, I think, like, honestly, one of my only, like, real complaints... And maybe maybe you know something about this that I don't. The the puzzle mechanic of like of those last couple dungeons. Yes. Where there's a certain path you have to yeah. take. And as far as I can tell, and I've ever been able to tell, there's not really like an indicator. It's kind of like a guess and check. It's or a guess like, and check. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I found myself thinking like, okay, what would like the programmers have put in here that they thought would be an unlikely path? And if that's the, and I feel like that doesn't make for a good puzzle if you have to think I, about how they program right. the game. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense when compared to the rest of the game. And I get that they were trying to like make it a little harder in that in that way. Right. But you're right. There should have been some kind of indicator because right. I think especially in eight four. Now I know that level by heart, kind of like which ones to take. But I think like entering that warp pipe to go to the C part of that level. Like, uh, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners have gone to 8-4, but basically you have to get into this warp pipe and then it takes you to the next part of Bowser's Castle, which happens to be underwater. Uh, I think that, like, to know that isn't it's not necessarily like, you know, you just have to try everything. 
and and you have to try different routes too. And uh, unfortunately, due to the time system, you don't right. you know you most right. likely will time out on your first attempt trying to go through the entire course. Right, and because you're just guessing, once you solve it, you don't really feel like you solved a puzzle or you figured you just you just tried enough times until it worked. Like, there's um there's a book that I believe you can still buy uh, you can still buy this book. Uh, it's called How to Win at Super Mario Brothers. I'm not making that up. It was a huge <laughs> like big seller at the time. And uh, that told you the puzzle secrets, of course. And I feel like that's like qu- levels like eight four were probably the reason that that book even sold like right, as many right. copies as it did. It's just like people finally got fed up and said, "I need to know <laughs> where every one up mushroom is. I need to know where every puzzle ends. I need to know where those warp zones are because I'm not like the game. Unlike Legend of Zelda, which will come in later and give you like very vague clues that by today's standards are near impossible to decipher at least they gave clues right right you, the warp zone is never like a toad at the end of any of the worlds never says like your princess is in another castle by the way did you know about these warp zones or you know like or even just like hey in the next dungeon i heard that you right. have to go in a warp bike. yeah yeah nothing nothing, <laughs> nothing like that, like that. And so how that does toad nice. know the princess is in another castle i am worried about I think that. he might be involved yeah <laughs> no one ever questions toad about <laughs> right. that actually uh and just real fast, something I noticed since we're talking about the Toads, obviously we don't have Princess Peach yet, we have Princess Toadstool, but if you heard from the beginning, you know, we, we read the beginning of the back of the boxes uh, for these episodes, they referred to her as the Mushroom Princess on the back of the box. So it's like, is she the Mushroom Princess? Is she Princess Toadstool? In in Japan, she's Princess Peach at this point. It's really right. confusing. Yeah, and then you know, even in, uh, Mario's got a different girlfriend. And uh, what happened to Pauline? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Pauline was his New York chick, <laughs> and uh, Princess Peach is his. Uh, sorry, Princess Toadstool. Sorry, Mushroom, Mushroom Princess, Princess is his main squeeze. Uh, all right, Joe. So let's just uh, let's take this real fast. I'm gonna save my essential vote. For later, but I'd sure. love to hear your essential vote on this so we can get a definitive answer. All right. So, like I said, initially I was worried about it, but that that worry kind of evaporated pretty quickly once I got into the game, the flow of the game. And like as much as like I, I remember not it not being my favorite game as a kid, that was because I always had other things to play that I, like that I preferred. Uh, but now, like actually dedicating some time to this, like this is a great game. Uh, it kind of. I, I don't want to say surprised me because I, I expected it to be surprise. a great game. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to surprise after um, so many years. I guess I was more surprised that like, wow, why didn't I ever give this more time when I was a kid? Because well, uh, because you really had fun. Super Mario Brothers three. Right. It's hard. To, it's hard to compete with that. But this is definitely, I think, still worth a play. I mean, uh, essential to play, I should say. So I All am right, putting so it on the essential, essential list. Vote. Right. Um, and yeah, there's just been even like the secrets that you uncover. There's like enough variety in the levels. And the controls work well. I think that if you have an NES, get this game. It's essential. All right. There you have it. It's our first essential vote. Uh, I will keep you guys in suspense on mine. I'll wait till uh, Sean and Sam get together with me later. Joe, thanks so much for coming in to do this no, real it's fast. Been fun. Uh, and uh, guys, stick around. We're not playing any commercials because we don't do that on this podcast. We're just going to play a quick, uh, I don't know, like we'll play the water level sounds or something real fast. And then I'll bring back and in I'll be Sean gone. and Sam. And yeah, Joe will be gone. He'll but be I'll be back away. next week. Yeah, next week for, um, what is that, tennis? Yeah, tennis. Yeah, next week right. is tennis. It's a big game to follow up Super <laughs> right, Mario right. Brothers. Well, yeah, they're, they're always compared yep. to each other. <laughs> All right, thanks, Joe.
right, and we're back with more Super Mario Brothers, but this time with Sean and Sam. What's up, guys? Yo. Hi, Mike. Uh, Sean, why don't you walk us through the objective of this game? All right, so this is the uh, one of the probably the first uh, side-scrolling platformers in which you have a weaponized jump, at least in the, the classic sense of side-scrolling platformer. Such a better decision than a gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we, we don't know how it would have turned out, but I'll let you. I can only <laughs> imagine how it would have turned out. You know what? From the sounds of it, it was like they were making a Metroidvania before Metroid or Castlevania ever came out with the sounds of using the gun and having different power-ups. I digress. <laughs> Sean, walk us through the game. So you use this jump and this run to uh, traverse the level uh, while uh, breaking blocks, jumping on evil satanic Koopas, um, and... Most uh, of whom can only walk in one direction. They can travel in the other direction after that direction, though. Oh, like after they've been <laughs> after they've been stopped by their physical limits. Exactly. Like once a block tells them you can't go any further, they're like, "I should head home." Yes, exactly. Um, and then uh, you you just keep on going until you get to a a flagpole in which you try and jump to the top of the flagpole, and then you exit the level, and then you're just on to the next on to the next world, or you go into a castle uh, where it, it gets a lot scarier. Um, and you have some sort of fight with, with Bowser, whether it's, uh, you kind of like cheese him and just jump on the, like, what is that? An axe? It's or? an axe. Yeah. It like yeah. chops the bridge. In, yeah. Off. yeah. Yeah. Or you can fight him the normal way with like, uh, with your fireballs. Oh yeah. You can get, uh, you can get those power ups that make you big. I have to, yeah. I have to stop you there because these are all interesting things that we're going to get into later. Yeah. But Remind me if I don't say it. We have to talk about the normal way of fighting Bowser <laughs> that you just described. Because I wouldn't say the normal. I, no, way. I know. I'm saying, you said it was the normal way, and I'm pretty sure most of us are familiar with that. But being you mean just the, like, like you, use the axe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you use the axe. I'm but, saying that it is possible to defeat him without touching the it's axe. Actually, and it's the only way to get points. Yeah. I never knew this. I never knew that. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Obviously, you know that last part was completely unnecessary talking about the objective <laughs> of this game because you. Definitely should know what we're talking about, because even if you've never played Super Mario Brothers, chances are you've seen a video of how this thing works, or if you've played any platformer after this game, you would know how heavily influenced it is by Super Mario Brothers. You know how... Uh, like how ostracized the the few people that are listening that have never even heard of Mario feel right now. I think there are probably like yeah, that that one uncontacted tribe who <laughs> happened to get a feed of our signal and is listening to every episode of Nostalgia every Friday. They're like, "What is this? What is Mar? What is Mario?" I'm just saying that you're making them feel uncomfortable. I know, and I'm and I'm sorry to those uncontacted tribes. <laughs> but the reason why I segue now is because since we all have clearly at least played Super Mario Brothers or seen it in some regards, let's talk about our earliest Super Mario Brothers memories. Uh sure. So my first Super Mario Brothers memory was I had a friend um who had a Game Boy Color and I didn't have any kind of Game Boy or anything. I may have had a maybe had an N sixty four, but I didn't have a Game Boy. Um and uh, she had Super Mario Brothers, and I had this, um, it was kind of like a Game Boy thing that only played two games, you know, like a knockoff one. A Game & Watch? No, 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 no. It was like, it was it was actually a Crazy Bones, if you remember <laughs> crazy, crazy Bones. Bones. It was like a Crazy Bones Game Boy that only played Breakout and Tetris, right? Is it like a one of those LCD screen ones? Yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. Um... This is this is the weirdest yeah, early. This, this, this is a very this is a big memory. But anyway, we traded one summer, um, 
and I got Mar- uh, Super Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Okay, on the Game Boy, and she got my uh, <laughs> Tet- Tetris and Breakout. It's two games. I only got one game. You know, <laughs> that's one way of thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, she felt like the winner there. <laughs> we trade it back. You know, it was, it's all fair. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my first time playing it, and I really liked that one because you kind of go back and pick which level you wanted to go through. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't want, you didn't have to. It added an overworld map. Yeah, it added an overworld map. But even beyond that, there were like challenges on each level. Like you could try and find the Yoshi egg, which was hidden somewhere. Or there were uh, red coins, I think, that were hidden throughout the level that you had to collect. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I have never really been great at Mario games. Never really. Not that I haven't liked them, but they've just never been my favorite kind of games. And so I liked having that those other things to do in it. Yeah, so my first, uh, my earliest Mario Brother memory was actually just my introduction to video games when I was, I don't know if I was like two or three, my, uh, my parents got a Super NES for like, you know, ostensibly for me, but because I was so young, it was just them playing it. And, uh, we got, uh, Super Mario World and Super Mario All-Star, and I have vague memories of playing these games, and it was definitely Mario but it was mostly them helping me through it. Yeah. And it's funny because Super Mario All-Stars is like, it's really just a graphical improvement. It's pretty much oh, yeah. the same game. Mm-hmm. I think what? they fixed a couple of bugs here and there, but I mean, it retains the warp zone and stuff like that. So I I think my first exposure to Super Mario Brothers was the NES version, like very young. I didn't own an NES growing up. But my first like official playthrough of Super Mario Brothers also happened on Super Mario All-Stars. And I just remember like, at the time, I think I was I was like a teenager, so it had been like a lot. You know, I had played Super Mario World at this point. I had played Super Mario sixty four, Super Mario Sunshine. Like I was a big Mario head at this point, but it's weird that I never played the game that started it all. <laughs> and for me, all three of those games on All Stars, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Bros. two, and three, they all just clicked right away. And there's something like very satisfying about playing those older games when they're still good. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of times you can force yourself to just like be in the, in the time period and be like, Oh, this was good for its day. It's another thing when you're like playing the game and it's actively as fun as the yeah. games that you're playing. So that's, that's my early super Mario brothers memory. Uh, but now that we've talked about our earliest memories, let's talk about like what it was like to replay this again for this episode of nostalgia. Oh yeah. Uh, so when I started playing this, I really started to um, regret a lot of the things I had been saying positively about the games that yeah. we've been playing uh, because, yeah, I mean, they were they're interesting. Uh, they're, they're interesting games to play and they have a lot of cool gadgets and whatnot. But this game, it's like a, it's a different system. It's like it's yeah. on, a, on the next gen. Nothing looks as good as this in the NES launch titles. It's just that much head and shoulders above everything that we've played so far. It is. I I can't agree more because the funny thing about the other games we've been playing is, and we were talking about this, most of them were arcade games first. They were on the Verse system and stuff like that. And even Super Mario Bros. eventually gets a Verse system version. But what's funny here is this is the the game that actually feels like a console game. This feels yeah. like an experience. There's a, you know, there's a progression mm-hmm. to the game. There's uh, 32 levels. It, it's, it's a game that, you know, kind of demands you to play it at home. You can't really go through this in an arcade experience. You know, you have to like sit down and spend a lot of time with this game, figuring out its quirks, getting better and better. And eventually, you know, trying to get to eight, four in three lives. And it's like eight, 32 meaningful levels instead of the 100 just, 
yeah, like sort of random uh, permutations in uh, yeah. some of the other games. Everything is super, super purposeful. You know, I, it was designed with intent, and you can tell that right away. Right. You know? uh, we were talking about this, me and Sam, about how, like, for Kung Fu, the enemies are, you know, mm-hmm. they're there in the game, and, you know, they each do something different, but they're they're not programmed to appear at certain points. They just, no. they just show up as you're walking through the level. With Super Mario Brothers, as the levels are designed, it's like the Koopa Troopa is placed exactly in the spot that they wanted to show up so that when you enter the screen, it falls into a position that, you know, will be like... Not like game breaking, but, but at the like same time, yeah, almost. but complements yeah. the design of the level. Like I know we haven't really gotten into the music yet, but just immediately you can tell that this has like it's got character. It's it's weird. Yeah, you know, like it's weird. You eat these giant mushrooms and you become giant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eventually you get to Fire Flower and you're shooting. I, mean, I feel like every game we've played so far has been weird, but this is uh, this like ties it, up every little loose end. I feel yeah. Like. And it's like, oh, yeah, the mushrooms, you eat them and you get big. And these mushrooms, you stomp on them. And these mushrooms, they give you an extra life. But you got to find them first, you know? <laughs> I think I like, think that's a good point about how, like, we talk about how weird this game is if you really think about it, but no one ever really thinks about it. You play the game and it's just, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all, it's all video complimentary. Game right, but it's all complimentary to the gameplay. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, the mushroom makes you bigger. I don't care why. You it's just it. I'm glad that it does because <laughs> now I can do this, this, and this. And just, like, the... The jumping just feels good. Yeah, you know? I think the jumping in this game is, like, the physics alone, it's it's weird. But mm. uh, if you go to, like, I used to do this all the time as a kid. I'd go on the mushroomkingdom.net, I think it is. Mm. And they would have, like, they pretty much, like, ripped this game and broke it down into, like, its simplest parts. And you can actually see, like, they made a trajectory for every kind of of jump that's possible for Mario, depending on how far he's been running, whether B was held down or not, whether you stopped in, you know, like if you start turning in the other direction and it's like, it's almost, it's almost limitless, you know, like, yeah. like there yeah. is a finite number of course, because it's the NES and you can only program so much. But the fact that the jump has that kind of precision to it and has like that slippery slope of like, you know, even when you land, you still have like a little bit yeah, of momentum like on you. Steps. That yeah. gets me all the time, right? And, yeah. and like, yeah, but it, at the same time too, it's it's not frustrating. It's oh like, yeah, yeah, it's part of the yeah, game, it's right? A, it's part of the it's game. A far cry from Ice Climber, where and, it, yes. the frustration was not in like, oh no, I can't land this right. It's like, why can't anything happen yeah. fluidly? There was no part of me playing this game. Well, there's one part of it that I can talk about, but. There was really almost no part of it that felt like, oh, this stupid game, like it's messing up right here. You know, it's every single time I messed up, it's like because I messed up, not because something in the game was weird that I didn't get. It's all so intuitive. And it's usually I mean, this was my experience on rebooting it because I had I had known uh, the game so well by this point in my life. I knew most of the early levels by Mm -hmm. heart is that usually what got me was going like really fast, like trying to rush myself through the levels. That's what would get me. And you, yeah, and it's because we're used to that. I feel like like platformers now, even I feel like you just go through faster. Even. I think you also there was there's less um, reward systems in Super Mario Brothers as there are in even later Mario games. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to get like a mushroom or another power up in uh, like new Super Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. but in the original Super Mario Brothers, you know, good luck. You, you might get like one or two mushrooms yeah. a stage and like <sighs> coins. Coins are important. Coins because, are really yeah. important. Because you only get three lives, and then you start back at the beginning again. I, as soon as I realized how like how fast I was losing all my lives, because you only get three, and once you like lose your three... You're just done. That's it, folks. We're not talking about, like, oh, start at the beginning of the world. 
or the beginning of the level. That's it. It's you, game you, over. you go back to the beginning of the game, and yes, that seems like you know a Dark Souls level of difficulty in today's <laughs> terms, but like. You know, in NES days, that's just normal. Well, like, I mean, that's let, just how it is. Let's go back to like, just a real quick sidebar. Like the, the lexicon of difficulty. Now it's all like, is it Dark Souls hard? It used to the, the term used to just be Nintendo hard. Right. Yeah, that is mm-hmm. true. And I think that this game kind of starts that off. Like I think yeah. you know we talked about other games. Uh, like Kung Fu was very hard as you got like further through each floor and stuff like that. But. I think that game got hard just because of like the way that like, it just kept throwing more and more, right, at more you. and more at you. This game, if we're being real, like even when you get to like World Six and stuff like that, it's not that the levels got like so much harder or that the enemy, like there's you know the enemy variety is low. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes the game like harder is that you only have those three, maybe yeah, one so extra by the time line. You get to lines. these levels and it's the first time you're playing through them and you don't know what to expect. I mean, you're gonna die a lot. So I do think that even though you have to start from the beginning every time, there are the warp pipes. And I think that's like a huge, a huge advantage that you get. So once are you, you talking about the, um, the warp zones, the warp zones. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not just the regular warp pipes, right, the right, warp right. zones. So once you kind of know that stuff and I don't know how hard it must've been to figure out that that is even there in the eighties when there's no internet and you, you guys just kind of have to talk and like, Oh yeah, my mom did this thing the other night where like <laughs> you jump at the end of one, two, then you can get to this level, like the secret spot, you know. And but I think once you know that, it kind of rewards you for playing the game a lot. I think can, it's I think it's funny because for me, it wasn't even like wasn't that big of a secret. Like it, you do kind of stumble on it pretty organically. Like I, like, I, mean, I wonder if I could just keep taking yeah, this like up I, to the top, right? Yeah. And then you get up there, and you can even get up there much earlier in the level too. But I think most people get there through the like elevator yeah, stair yeah. things. But it's like you can get there even earlier, and it's like. You know, you're just testing it. You're just seeing, like, oh, okay, like, let's just see. And I I'm, I feel like a lot of people discovered it that way. Like, you didn't need to read about this online. It was just very, like, organically put in there. And then you know there's more secret stuff. Too. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, yeah. a good hint to being, like, oh, I should try and, like, do other, like, try and get above other levels or try and mm-hmm. hit other blocks and, you get and see what happens. And you and you get the other warps. And... The, beanstalk, the beanstalk is a little weird, though, just I because. I don't even know how to get the beanstalk. So the beanstalk, the biggest beanstalk is in 4-2. Because uh, at the end of four two you can warp That's to five. That's how you get to six seven. But eight. yeah, to get to six seven and eight, you need to hit that beanstalk in four two, uh, which does require a pretty precise jump because they put an invisible block right below the uh, yes. uh, beanstalk. So if you hit that one, you're not going to be able to. Uh, well, at least as big Mario, you're not going to be able to hit the um, the beanstalk to open that up. But yeah, I mean, like, that's one way to play the game is, like, mm-hmm. after, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that it's less of a way of playing this game either, like, because there's not a level select unless you beat yeah. the game. Yeah, I think that works as a really good way of doing it within the game itself. Right, and it's yeah. and it's programmed in there, like, as a reason to be like, okay, I'm constantly taking down worlds one, two, and three, mm-hmm. but by the time I get to world four or five, I'm exhausted of my lives. It's like, okay, well, I, let's just get there quicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's really cool. And I think uh, again, there wasn't a cheat code for it. It didn't feel like you were cheating. Uh, it, it definitely You're feels just playing like the game at whatever pace you want to play it. Right. It which, feels less rewarding, I guess, at the end to get there. But yeah. but it still feels like a victory to yeah. get to the end, regardless of how you do it, because <laughs> it, you only have three lives. Every stage lives. that I complete in that game feels like a victory. I'm yeah. not very good at Mario. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like that's that's a totally like that's fine because. Super Mario Brothers, more so than even like Super Mario Brothers 3, which a lot of people consider a better game. I think Super Mario Brothers is still very hard in terms of the level design just because there are 
so many uh, enemies that will just pop up at the last second when you're not expecting them. There's so many enemies that will lead you to like trap holes when you're yeah. uh, when you're trying to jump over them. Even like later on, there's some dirty stuff in like World Four and Six where it's like you only have like a one block platform between you oh, and yeah. two gaps, and it's like. If you're not really like, and remember, this is like a lot of people's introduction to platformers in general. Like, you know, there were games like Pitfall that arguably are more adventure game than platformer, but you know, they involve like running and jumping and stuff like that. But for a lot of people, Super Mario Brothers is that first foray into it. And to ask them to do like challenging stuff like this, it's no wonder that a game like this would take a long time to beat. Yeah. I think that there is also uh, a, a slight hint of randomness in some of the enemies. Uh, behaviors too. Uh, say like once you enter a level, the piranha plant might just be uh, might come up immediately. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll wait a few moments to a, come. A good up. trick with the piranha plant. I'm not sure if you noticed this. Uh, oh. This is something I've been doing for a very long time. So there's two tricks actually I want to talk about. First trick is piranha plants will never appear if you hug the warp pipe. So there comes a certain point where they're just not going to pop up anymore. Oh. And so like if you just like. If you just be patient about it and get close enough to the warp pipe, they'll know not to program him to keep coming up and down. So that's a good way to, like, cheese the system. But another one that's, like, this is advanced, but it's actually talked about. Yeah, this is talked about in, like, the Nintendo Fan Club and stuff like that, which is the magazine that predates the Nintendo Power magazine, uh, is that if you are running at, at like, max speed and you know the, like, you know, your trajectory of your height, you can actually just jump right over those guys it will look (laughs) like you are hitting the piranha plant but you will make a perfect circle around them and it seems really hard to do but i i swear just try it a few times and it is like the most satisfying thing in the game for me no doubt like jumping perfectly over those piranha plants (laughs) is something that i could do again and again and again and occasionally there's still going to be a time where like i do get knocked down by them you know uh, and okay, I that lost was a your life. Fault. Yeah, I lost a life trying to be cool. But <laughs> for the most part, I nailed that now, and I think it's just muscle memory at this point. Yeah. But it's a really cool thing to do, and I like that. Like each enemy kind of has that thing going for them. You know, there's the uh, with the Koopa Troopas uh, going down the pyramid steps. Mm-hmm. There's that way to get the infinite one up. Yeah, you just you're talking about. hit on them, and then you can bash them into the platform. But they'll keep hitting Mario, and so the first thing's 200 points. Hit him again, 400, 600, 800, 1,000, 2,000, one up, one up, one up, one up. And I, I kid you not, it's it's a real trick in the game. Yeah, and then you can actually game over that way. You can? I think if you keep doing it, like, it does a oh, bad yeah, buffer Oh, yeah, the integer, overflow. like, overflow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually will, but it'll go on for a while before you I think you it hits 99 it. and then zero. No, I think... Um, I think that it actually goes into weird symbols after oh. that. Like, yeah, it starts generating, like... Um, like whatever character is in that place yeah like yeah character icons yeah. and stuff like that very weird stuff even just sprites like, <sighs> like you know core like the spikes of the spiny and stuff like that will show up so it does take a while to get there but that's kind of like that reminds me of I don't know if anybody else who listens to the podcast is familiar with this but like glitching in Pokemon Red and Blue oh yeah like mm-hmm. and how like after a while if you like exceed yeah. an inventory thing with the tiles. missing no trick yeah you would just yeah. get random tiles you'd be like oh no how many of these do I have like, <laughs> yeah I don't know <laughs> you might have like 288 and then you wind up fighting a 212 level Voltorb <laughs> Things just happen. We do that, and that's of course 
It's no different in Super Mario Brothers. Uh, weird things start happening in that game, just like uh, the Minus Zone. Yeah. Uh, I've never actually firsthand come into contact with it, but I've seen it. And I don't know what it is. Okay, so yeah. real quick, uh, the Minus Zone, and so, again, not something I have pulled off either, but uh, it's intriguing enough. The Minus Zone is basically in the underground level of like 2-1, 2-2, uh, when you are... Well, I guess it's 2-2 two, two or 1-2. I guess like any of the underworld levels could theoretically do it as long as they have a warp zone world behind them. Okay. So I think it would be 1-2 for sure would definitely four, have one. Two. I actually don't think 2-2 two, two is an underground level now that I think about it. Don't think so. Uh, but 1-2 is definitely an underground level. And what you do is you do a backwards jump right in between like the, you know, and it looks like a solid wall because you got the warp pipe there and then you got the bricks, mm. but you'll actually glitch through the bricks walking backwards through them and you'll wind up in the warp pipe zone. The tricky thing is, is that the warp pipe zones haven't loaded correctly. So instead it just says, <laughs> we're, you know, like welcome to the warp zone minus one, you know, like there's <laughs> only one warp pipe there. It's not go to world two, three or four. It's just go to this one thing and it's, World minus one, which apparently is caused from, again, like an integer overflow. Yeah, which is also just kind of creepy if you think about it. It is really creepy. (laughs) Here's where it gets even creepier, though. The level just goes on. for. It's an underwater level, and it just goes on for, like, ever and ever, and you can't beat it, so you just time out until your death, and then you do that two more times, assuming you have three lives. So you just keep doing that until you die, and you go back to the title screen. The only other way out of it is to reset. That's crazy. So, yeah, really do not take Mario to the minus zone. <laughs> and I believe there are even, like, some weird ways to, like, generate all different kinds of minus zones, depending on, like, which level you do it out of. And there's, like, technically, like, like a, a lot more programmed because it's just they're randomly programmed. Uh, they're not... Just- it's like playing with witchcraft, though. Exactly. That's what it feels <laughs> this like. This is what King Koopa wants you to do. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, this was actually fixed, though, uh, in Super Mario Brothers 2, I want to say. Let me just check my notes real quick. Yeah, so checking over the notes, it's actually, it's not Super Mario Brothers 2. It's the uh, Famicom Disk version of this game, because uh, they would release it, of course, once the Famicom Disk system was in, like, full force. Uh, when they did it there, it actually allows you to play completable levels. Uh, when you get to the minus zone. That's, so, so, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I think that they is kind of cool. And uh, I'm not sure if they're actually um, made by, like, Miyamoto and Tezuka or if they're just, like, randomly generated again, kind of how the other yeah. game did it. But I think it is nice that they at least, like... They canonized it. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if that's something that they ever knew about. Like, oh, there's a problem and we don't know how to fix it, like, in time <laughs> like, for oh, the no launch. <laughs> or if they, like, found out about it through, like, you know, like, mail being like, hey, I found this it, it weird thing to today. It had post-launch. I think, I think it's definitely something that was, like, talked about. Because, I mean, this is the most talked about game yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. So probably somebody picked up the story and then it became, like, a playground yeah. rumor. You know, like, <laughs> did you know about the minus zone where Mario goes to die? <laughs> <laughs> is Mario haunted? So you talked about the music, Sam. Uh, obviously, that was the overworld theme you were doing. Yeah. Did anybody else also feel, and maybe this is just me listening to Mario throughout the years, is the overworld theme in this game just a little slightly different than how we're used to hearing the Super Mario Brothers theme these days? You know, it's like, and I'm not going to do a whole song here, but I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities, right? <laughs> right. It's like, do, 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 do. That's how I remember it. It doesn't really sound like no, that in the game. I think it's got it's like, lower. It's it's lower. I think it's got a couple more of those uh, passing notes. 
or I don't know that the, the, the correct well, term for it. Well, here's the thing with it, because it has um, it, it harmonizes each one of those notes. And so that the main theme that we know is the do 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 do. Each one of those has a like has another note that's playing at the same time that is a harmony for it that just like makes it sound just even weirder. But, so are you saying that but that's like as you're playing the game? Like like so if I hit like no, a block the first, or first a... time first time you hear it it's it's playing two notes it's not just playing do 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 it's playing two notes at the same time okay yeah um but what is that second note I guess is what I'm asking like so you're saying it's playing um, two notes it's like a, it's like a bass note oh, it's like okay. it's like a fifth or a, th- or a third I got gotcha. you okay I'm like, sorry I thought you meant yeah. like it was another game but by sound. but just by playing the game you will affect the song just simply because any noise that you are generating whether it's the jump noise mm-hmm. or uh, uh, attacking a attacking an enemy, uh, it does like the the NES does not know how to have that much sound going on, so, so it, it will take part of it will it. remove part of the song yeah. and will add that noise. Not gonna lie, threw me off a little bit. That's yeah. why I bring it up. It it's just a, it's kind of weird not hearing it the way that I'm so familiar. And I'm I feel like this was fixed in Super Mario All Stars. <laughs> well, yeah, it had another. I think it had another well, audio track. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is like um. It's like I I do the the chiptunes music mm-hmm. and in that in you, this very podcast yeah in that you only have four tracks you have two pulse wave channels um another just wave generator channel and then a white noise channel so all the drums in Mario are just little white noise like you know that kind of thing uh, ten yard fight walks yeah exactly <laughs> uh the the wave channel is doing like uh all these bass notes boop 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 like those kind of things that's the wave channel and then the other i think it's also using four channels and then the other two channels are um you know the main melody and then the counter melody that's doing the harmony it's not really a counter melody it's just the harmony mm-hmm. um and i think that that second like harmony channel is also doing the sound effects yeah but i'm not i'm not sure it, yeah, could, yeah, be, no. it could be the wave channel and i think like that, if but. you're one of those people who plays this game in like an emulator one thing that's really cool to try and do even if you even if you can't get a hold of an emulator but if you have like a nsf player which dot nsfs are like the music files behind nes games hmm. uh when you're playing around with the different channels and turning some of them down uh, i think there's eight channels technically on like an nes and it's like different things like triangle and stuff like that mm. uh, when you bring certain ones down you can actually single out elements like you're talking about and it is yeah. kind of cool to just hear like just the drum beat you know mm-hmm. of the and it's not that but yeah that's my best interpretation of it i'm not musically inclined that's why sam does our theme songs and all that stuff but i wanted to talk about music also on like a you know which is your favorite track i mean there's really like four tracks in this game if you think about I, it i actually prefer the underground song um i think that that's can you got... give us a little what i think most people know it like no it goes that's a whale it's a you just did a whale it's a baby whale i'm sorry i'm sorry uh oh that was that sounds very nice i bet are you gonna do a vocal arranged version Okay, but yeah, no, I, I like that one a bit better. It's got more menace to it. Um, it, it feel, you know what? It feels underground. Yeah, yeah. It, that, it it's, it's feels so underground. it feels underground. Like, like there's like a hard way to explain it. There's, no, there's got to be like some thirty year old bias here. It's a perfect <laughs> atmosphere for it. You know, like for each one of them. Yeah, like my, one of my favorite ones is the, uh, the underwater theme. 
And it's just like this. We got to hear it now, Sam. Like, Sam, do, 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 right? You yeah, know? it's kind of like, if you guys are, you guys are definitely, I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong, but you're <laughs> working like, how I hear these songs, okay? I'm used to like, you don't like yeah. my jazzified version of the underground song? I actually want to hear a whole album where you do stuff like that. <laughs> Just spoken word. Yeah, stay tuned, guys. Right. Yeah, no, like the water level, that's like such a free-flowing, kind of happy tune. It's like, hey, you're underwater. But it's, it's funny because that song, it, it doesn't deserve that. Like, I get it. it you, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah. it does sound like it's underwater. It doesn't deserve that because the underwater levels are the most frustrating part Oh, yeah, of the game. no, the under- <laughs> like, underwater levels suck. And that music starts to taunt you after yeah, a while. Yeah, it sounds almost like, like kind of part, that's part of it, why it's so good. Part, you know? part of the reason why the underwater levels suck is because they take away the best, the mechanic. best mechanic of the game. The yeah. jump is gone and replaced with this infra-jump. <laughs> and I don't really think that feels that well, uh, controlling the infra-jump, as I call it. Because here's here's why. Sometimes you hit that button, and you can go pretty far up. Other times, he does, like, this half-step. Yeah. And, and he just keeps falling. This would be fine, you know, if you were trying to simulate, like, the roughness of the ocean <laughs> or something. But it's not fine when you have bloopers all over you, okay? I'm cool with the cheap cheeps coming by, and that's what they're, they're just that's know, what they're I know, called. but just the words that you're saying, and then the infa jump. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? There's a lot. This is Super Mario slang. Okay, this, this, is, this is like the kids know about this stuff. Yeah. Okay? And cheap cheeps are like, they're fine. They're kind of like this thing that just floats by. I, you know, take them or leave them. They're, they're pretty um, easy obstacles to avoid. Bloopers. They go after you. These guys are like, yeah, but you know what? Not only do they go after you, but if you stay in a particular spot, right? They just kind of like they they like wait they like hover right around that same spot they're not gonna keep floating around they're not gonna float toward you they just wait for you and it's like next to Hammer game. Brothers next to Hammer Brothers they're some of the most vicious enemies in the game mm-hmm. really not a fan of bloopers really not a fan of the infa jump and water levels in general just like this starts that that notion that water levels are garbage you know like this is when if we had a think about it we in all the other NES launch games was there a water level no. You could argue Clue Clue Land, Clue Clue Land takes place water. underwater, <laughs> but but that definitely didn't control like a water game. Like I never. No. Eh, well, maybe actually now that I think about it, maybe that's why those turns are so slippery. I mean, that's not how I move underwater. But. It's not how you move because you're not bubbles. That's true. Anyway, no one. Is. Yeah, moving along here. Uh, so we were talking about the music. Uh, so Sam said his favorite is underwater. Sean. You said underground. Uh, <laughs> guys, I'm having a little bit of a stroke here right now. If you want me to sing it again. I don't think I want to say this again. I think I'm going uh, yeah, to just... What's, what's your favorite, yeah, Mike? Thank you so much for asking me. And I'm going to be boring and say that it is the overworld theme just it's because... you're so one. basic. It, well, here's no, why, it, though. Okay? It's such a good theme. Yeah. The other themes have all stayed with us, too, right? So it's like we never lost the underwater theme. You can still hear that in new Super Mario Brothers games. We didn't even lose the uh, the dungeon theme, I guess I'll call it, for like the mm-hmm. fourth level of each world where i mean like that's pretty spooky too yeah but the thing about the overworld is it's synonymous with mario now like you can't have anybody not and everybody has like their own lyrics to it too which is kind of weird i always associate it with do the mario uh which is part of the super (laughs) Super show but like i've seen other versions where maybe this is something that just was done earlier but people had like a a lyrical pattern to the song to sing about mario and it's just like it's just neat (laughs) <laughs> that, like, people hear this song and they immediately think of Mario. I can't think of, actually, like, a more iconic song for for video games. <laughs> not like, not like the, wow, Stairway to Heaven or Super Mario <laughs> Brothers Overworld theme. 
you know, I guess you could argue. I would what, argue that more people know the Mario than Stairway to Heaven. And you know I would what? Say I, so. It sounds it sounds about right actually yeah. if you think about it. But I mean, like, what other kind of video game themes are there that are like that level? You know, there's uh, a lot of other Nintendo games, I guess. Like Zelda has, um, yeah. you know, like what would you what would Zelda song would you pick? Da, I'd probably da, do the da, 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 yeah. Right? I think yeah. it would be that overworld theme too. Some people might say it's the menu music. What about uh, the battle music from Shin Megami Tensei Four? You know what? I can't believe. Screw it. That's actually that's the answer. <laughs> now are you talking it. about Shin Megami Tensei Four or Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse? Uh, four. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Some people might say Apocalypse is the definitive version. Uh, I'll tell you what, Super Mario Overworld theme is definitely the definitive Mario song for me. I would of say, course. like, in gaming also, like, the Halo theme is big, but Mario isn't just in gaming. Like, you don't have to know anything about games to know the Mario song. Yeah, you just, you yeah. just heard the song somewhere regardless. Yeah. Mario into a mascot for Nintendo, but at this point, Mario's like he might even be more notable if you think about it than Mickey Mouse. And here's why I'm going to say that because they don't use Mickey Mouse that often. Like he's he's the face of Disney if you think about it. But when was the last time there was like a Mickey movie or something like that? You know, like, like Mickey know. is now. I think like Mickey isn't as welcomed as Mario is. If you really, I mean, like I don't want to get into a whole debate here, but am I wrong to think that like if a Mickey Mouse movie comes out tomorrow? It's not necessarily going to be a great movie. If a Mario Brothers game comes out tomorrow, it's probably going to be a pretty good game. Well, here's he, my... Okay, go ahead. You got, all right. Here's my thing with that. Mickey Mouse is weird, but pretends he's not weird, right? <laughs> Mario is like, it's me, Mario. You know, like, he knows it's a weird thing. There's mushrooms everywhere, and he just owns it. That's that's my that's my dispute with Mickey. I, I want to say that I think just because uh, Mickey Mouse has had about a hundred years or so uh, to develop brand awareness. I would say that um, while Nintendo gets a hell of a lot more utility out of Mario, uh, I think that I think Mickey still hasn't beat. Okay. I mean, and that's what we need. We need a devil's advocate on this show. I'm not being we a devil's a guy, advocate. No, we That's just, just what I think. We need a guy who hates Mario <laughs> and is probably going to vote him out of the essential games list. Uh, you know, we just need... You a never villain. know, Mike. You Everybody never needs know. a dark yeah. wizard Koopa. Dark wizard. I believe it's sorcerer. I'm pretty dark sure they sorcerer. refer to him as a sorcerer. Okay. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, or I mentioned it, <laughs> I guess. Funny that. It's funny that I mentioned that because this is going to segue great into the next fact <laughs> I have to bring up, which is that... Uh, Bowser in the Japanese version is actually referred to as the great demon king, Koopa. Like, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty, pretty dope. It's pretty yeah, metal. It's pretty, like, I would be afraid to fight yeah. the great demon king. Now, I know the Japanese have a thing with demons. Like, yeah. if you notice in video games in general, like, the last boss of any JRPG is usually, like, either a god or a demon, you they know? kind of got a weird thing for, like, Christian symbolism. Uh, like, it's not that, like, they... They really, they, they, they're like afraid of it or they, they, they find it very, very meaningful. They just kind of dig it. Like they just like, like demons and Bibles and stuff like but that. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> even in this stage of Mario's like infancy, I wouldn't associate Bowser as a demon. No. Like, you know, like they, they I mean, he's definitely, a bad, he's a very bad turtle. Yeah. Not, I mean, but, <laughs> and they've, they've, you know, cuddled him down a lot. Like he's now kind of like this 
cute, adorable, fat thing yeah. that Mario fights occasionally. But, like, the, in this game, he still has, like, a pretty terrifying presence. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the, you know, the great big bad at the end, I just want to talk about some of the other enemies. So we talked about, um, you know, like some guys very, like very quickly, but I just want to get your thoughts. All right. This is not like a let's break down the Goomba. Right. OK, right. couple, I don't want to do that. Per guy. But yeah, yeah. Just give me a couple words per guy. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And this I think this could be fun if we do it okay. right. Yeah. OK, so Sean Goombas squishy. Oh, that's that's a good one. Sam, what do you got? I got jump. That's that's it. Just because you associate like squashing them. Yeah, like the first like the first level, they got that one Goomba that just you know shows you like, listen, you got to jump over this guy or jump on him in order to get by, and that's just what I think. My thoughts on Goombas: harmless. Okay, these guys <sighs> could couldn't do anything to Mario if we really think about the situation. Right. Uh, like, uh, I've been uh, killed by Goombas. If you don't jump, no, no, no. I I'm saying like <laughs> the way that I always think about Goombas is like. To me, they were that reference point of most useless enemy. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not I'm not denying that in Super Mario Brothers they will kill you a lot. <laughs> but I'm saying if we're really looking at this Koopa tribe and what he's sending at us, the Goombas are like the least of our worries, you know? Yeah. And it's just funny that they don't have arms. They just have these <laughs> shoes. And they just like walk around and waddle and it's just it's very strange. Okay. Koopa Troopa, Sean. So this is just the walking one. Just the walking one. We got a special name for the flying ones. <laughs> Uh, just like just, just talk like, to me about it. I mean, he the, the, these ones uh actually get me a lot more. Uh, I well they all get me a lot. I'm really again I'm really bad at the game, mm-hmm. but I, I would say that so I say have Koopa been Troopa terrorized by. They get me. <laughs> they get yeah, you. no, they get me. I've too. been terrorized by Koopa Troopas more than my fair share. Yeah, uh, that's about that's about on par for me. Yeah, I think the, the funny thing about a Koopa Troopa is that. They don't get me in the sense that, like, I run into them as much as I might run into a Goomba, but they get me when I hit them on the shell and then they accidentally, like, come back the other way. And that's frustrating. Oh, yeah. Very. Uh, Okay. So now, Sean, Koopa Paratroopas. We don't talk about those. Uh, I feel like those are, I like those in that you you can use them for platforming and sometimes you have to. And I think that's, like, a cool way of taking out enemies. I like that I like, like that you mentioned that because you you can use them for platforming and they usually get you up to like a higher platform if you time the jump right mm-hmm. but you're also like you're not punished there's no like hit this Koopa Trooper or you're falling into the pit well aren't in some later levels aren't they I meant like if you hit it if you don't hit it at exactly the right time like even if you move forward mm-hmm. you'll still be able to land on something yeah. obviously like below directly below the Koopa Trooper mm-hmm. Koopa Paratroopa would be a pit Right. But nothing like yonder. (laughs) Over yonder. yonder. So that's nice. It's not like so punishing, but it rewards the player if they can time it right. Real quick. Yeah. What's the difference between the green ones and the red ones? So the green ones always just continue to move forward. Red ones stay on their platforms. Okay, cool. So if, uh, Uh, yeah, they'll continue to walk back and forth, even if there's not a block to tell them to go the other way, they won't fall off the cliff. That makes the Super Smash Brothers shells make more sense. Yes, but they're also just like, they're just intelligent, I guess. Like, the red ones have evolved. Like, hey, wait, if I fall off this platform, I can die. Right, and they just learned, and so the green ones remain stupid, and they they only mate with the other stupid green ones, and the red ones, you know, have evolved to a higher society. Uh, for me, like Koopa Paratroopas, real fast, Koopa Paratroopas, I can't time them correctly. Uh, whenever I think that I should jump to get on top of them, they jump with me, and then we collide, and it's stupid, but... How come on that death screen, the Koopa Paratroopas don't also die? How about anything you run into for that matter? Like, if it kills me by walking into it, why aren't they hurt at all? 
Because you know what, Mike? Like th- this is this is your fault. No one said the Mushroom Kingdom was going to be fair. Yeah, exactly. It's your failing. I just think that you know there there should be a game theory on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Buzzy Beetle. Do you know who that is? Oh yeah, that's little <laughs> helmet dudes. Yeah, yeah. Which and, which is really cool that you mentioned helmet dudes because in Super Mario Maker, which comes out thirty years later than this game, you, uh, can, wear Super Mario Maker, you can wear them as helmets. Unfortunately, not a design it's, it's concept in Super yeah. Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, and their their thing is that you can't they can't get hit by fireballs, which I think is nice. I think like, it's, it's cool. It's yeah. cool that like not every enemy can just be destroyed as, with the click of a button. A yeah. click. Yeah, you, you click, oh, okay. click your B button. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, I guess like it's press a is press. the right word, but yeah, I think like click works here. Okay. Buzzy Beetle thoughts? No. No, okay, well, never really, you never have any dreams about the Buzzy Beetles. <laughs> All right, so then let's move on to, these guys are really tough. I'm talking about probably the hardest enemies in the game, the Hammer Brothers. I, I hate them. They, they suck. They, I, I never know if I'm supposed to take my time with them or just like rush in or... See, when I rush in... They throw yeah. their hammer at me, but See, when, when I, I take, take my time, time they with them, the they throw their <laughs> <laughs> I notice that when I rush in, they jump down to the platform I'm on. Yeah. See, when I start rushing in on them, that's when they go down to the next platform. Yeah, you I know? feel like if I can um, can get there before they do that, if they're on top of one of the platforms, then I can get underneath them and kind of boop them from below. But there's sometimes where they're on the slopes, you know, in the beginning of like five one or five two or something like that. Oh, yeah, there's, they're on the pyramid. There's one on the steps, top of yeah. the pyramid. That one gets me because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I'm not afraid <laughs> to admit that, like, every single time I see these guys, my instinct is not to bop them, which yeah. is what just I refer to, to as jumping them. on top of people. You call that a bop? Yeah. Instead of, like, as opposed to a git, which is when they get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a bop, and I don't want to do that to Hammer Brothers because you never know when they're just going to throw in that late <laughs> right. hammer. Yeah. So what I do is I just avoid them at yeah. all costs. I mean, that's the best way. And, yeah, I think that, like, you know, in the end, the Hammer Brothers probably do continue to march forward and destroy the rest of the Mushroom <laughs> Kingdom. But I saved the princess, so it's I'm okay. problem now. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's a whole other problem, uh, Toadstool could take care of that. Yeah, it was never about the other people. So uh, this guy Toadstool. makes his appearance for the first time in World 4-1, and I, I only know that because how many of us continue to skip through the warp zone to World 4, and then they're greeted by this guy. Of course, I'm talking about Lakitu. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Lakitu, he throws, he's the cloud guy? Uh, yeah. Not, I feel like Lakitu levels aren't as bad. I don't think they're as bad if you can solve the problem right away. Yeah. There's two ways to solve the problem, in my opinion. One is to continue moving. This yeah. guy will never be able to throw his spiny directly in front of you as long yeah. as you keep moving. He'll just kind of, you know, like carelessly throw them by and you'll be like, this will stop him if he comes back here. Or the preferred method, of course, is to pop him. Yeah. Uh, if you can get high enough, you can actually, uh, you know, defeat Lakitu and he'll he'll show up again if you give it enough time. But on a stage like 4-1, there's really not like, you know, you could defeat that stage pretty fast if you don't have to deal with Lakitu. So you're not going to see him again. On that stage, at least, I just appreciate that uh, he got a much a much better role in a in in, a, in another Super Mario game. Uh, in in sixty four, he became the cameraman. He's the cameraman in sixty four, and you know it's funny. That's how I, I mentioned this on the very first episode of the podcast. I'm a huge Super Mario sixty four fan. That was my like first big game, and I never associated Lakitu as a villain. Yeah. Because I, he was the camera guy in Super Mario 64. So when you're playing this game, you're like, Lakitu, what happened? My experience with Lakitu was he's the guy that fishes you out in uh, Mario Kart 64. Yeah, so he's, he's always helping. He's mostly yeah. a good guy. In fact, yeah. he's even a driver later on in some Mario Kart mm-hmm. games. So, like, 
how can we really fault this guy? I think he was misguided. Yeah. And who's to say the the dark sorcerer uh, <laughs> King Bowser Koopa hasn't? Uh, and I'm just going to continue to add to his name every single time. I actually love calling him Bowser Koopa. Like that's just a thing for me. It's yeah. His last name. Yeah. So, I just think yeah. like yeah, it's so satisfying. I don't know if it's his last name. I think he is just a Koopa. Like I think a Koopa is like a that's like a a race, if you will. You know, like oh. well, don't you think so? They're part of the Koopa tribe. There's Koopa Troopas, there's Koopa Paratroopas. He's like a an evolved Koopa Troopa, if you will. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's also like a cat, a I'm lizard, just glad, a I'm dragon. I'm glad you have your own headcanon yeah, about but that. Everybody needs their own Super Mario Brothers headcanon, for the record, <laughs> because if you're not trying to figure out a timeline for how all these things fit, you're, you're missing out. Just before out. or after uh, Nintendo Golf. <laughs> uh, this is definitely before Nintendo Golf, because Mario's old in Yeah, golf. you're right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so moving on from Lakitu, there's the Spinies. These guys sometimes show up by themselves if if Lakitu doesn't throw them. These are the red guys with the yeah. spike shells. Yeah. What, one thing that's cool about them is that they um they kind of uh, stick to the platform they're on. Yeah, and I like that. I think that's like a neat touch to make them more dangerous than a red Koopa Troopa because not only can you not stop them unless you have a fireball, but they also like continue to like get in your way. Yeah, they can get you throughout the platform. And I think it's especially bad in the underground levels. It's true. Everything I said, 100% fact. That's 100% true. <laughs> uh, we talked about the piranha plants and the cool jump and everything like that, so I don't think we need to go into them. But uh, let's move on to the bullet bills. Bullet bills. Official translation is killer. These things are called kira in uh, Japan, and I think that's kind of crazy because, I, I don't know, like, these things are in your way, but yeah, I never bullets, really... Bullets are bad. Yeah, I never really, like... Uh, are they big bullets? Are who even is worse. the real enemy? Is it the bullet bills themselves or the cannons that shoot them? I'm pretty sure it's Bullet Bill. He seems very malicious. You think that's one entity that shares like all of those enemies, or are they all just Bullet Bills? I think that since his name is Bullet Bill, they I mean, I think they're all clones. Yeah, I, well, I think it's like some, you know, some dark magic stuff going dark, on. Dark just animate all these bullets to make them sorcerer. So yeah. Bowser kind of brought them to life. Yeah. yeah. Make okay. them evil. Make I totally evil. buy that. I yeah. mean, he's turning toads into blocks. Yeah, you manufacture them, and then you bring them to life. Okay. Yeah. Sean, quick tangent here. You're a Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> Anybody ever get the nickname Bullet Bill? No, absolutely not. Uh, don't know what would make you think that, Mike. All right. Well, I just think that that's a cool, like, athletic nickname. I would want to be called Bullet Bill if my name was Bill. Uh, <laughs> but that's besides the point. <laughs> we talked about bloopers. This is a weird one. Potaboos. Yeah, I don't know what that is, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for just acknowledging <laughs> that you didn't know what it was, pretending like, oh, yeah, those things are a pain in the neck. These are the fireballs. I don't know. Are they sentient? Like, why do they get a name? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're in the manual with that name. Mm-hmm. So that's something to throw out there. Uh, these guys don't do anything for me. They're just like a hazard. <laughs> you just wait. You jump over them. I, I think that the flaming wheel things. Those you know, are the, yeah, yeah, those things should get a name, if anything. Those should be the potaboos because those things are dangerous and not fun at all because they all spin at like different speeds. I think they're called sizes. wacky wizards. I, no, I actually Sean, no, you can't just start making up your own headcanon now. That's, that's, you that's never thought canon. they were called that until you just said that. <laughs> you never like were playing the game and was like, oh, there's those wacky wizards. You're right. I'm sorry. Thank you. I appreciate the apology. So let's move on to Bowser, King of the Koopas. Okay. And I hope you all enjoyed that uh, that that guided tour through the bestiary of Mario. Yeah. So assuming that you best all those guys, you're going to get to eight four, where you fight Bowser, King of the Koopas. But wait, Mike, 
I thought I was fighting Bowser King of the Koopas this whole time in world 1424343444. Not if you were doing Sean's preferred method of throwing the fireballs, because when you defeat Bowser with fireballs, you're able to see that he was a Goomba. He was a uh, Koopa oh, Troopa. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Each one of those I is over the acts. Yeah, they're a disguise. But uh, I, mean, just, I never have the fireballs at the end because I don't get that. That's so that good. Yeah, you don't get you don't get far <laughs> enough to have the fireballs yeah. <laughs> by that stage, uh, which is which isn't surprising because if you look at the placement of mushrooms in the dungeon levels, like what are we calling those? The dungeon or castle levels? I guess I say castle. castle. Yeah, yeah, castle levels. If you get to them. The mushrooms are placed in places that are designed to, like, kill you. Yeah. Yeah. They're just taunting you. It's, yeah, it's almost yeah. like I want to get that mushroom, but I also know that I'm probably going to die trying to get it, so what's the point? Like, a, it's, yeah, like those mushrooms, it's like, yeah, I'm probably going to die if I get in this thing, so I don't understand the point. It's like, I just get to my death faster, I guess. I know I'm going to get killed later on in this level, but uh, that is kind of cool. It's like a neat little thing that's like, it's not repetitive that you keep fighting the same Bowser because you're not fighting the same Bowser. Those are each one of his, uh, you know, members of his Koopa tribe taking on the disguise of, of Bowser. And then finally in 8-4, you get the real Bowser and boy, is he tough. Okay. Because you got the king of the Koopas with hammers. So it's like yeah. a hammer brother that blows flames, has a small little window and not to mention that annoying stair that moves back and forth which does not help in this case because mm-hmm. it's designed to like block you out of jumping over him so guys am i wrong in saying that the only real way to get over this guy is to go under him when he yeah. jumps yes i think that that's like if to, you know if you're gonna make this thing and i'll tell you right now nine times out of ten you're gonna die to world eight four bowser but if you're gonna make it over him go underneath because that is definitely the way and i also like in terms of how he throws the hammers he throws them all kind of at once yeah. If you just stay back a little, watch him throw the hammers, get up close, and then hope he jumps instead of throws the hammers again, you're in for a pretty good time. Yeah, if you've learned one thing listening to this podcast for the past however many weeks, it's it's that that strategy. Yeah, that's like the only good strategy. That's the only good sound of advice we've given exactly. on this podcast <laughs> is how to defeat Bowser, which is actually pretty important. Yeah. Not that anybody, and I'm just going to throw this out there. No one should be ashamed if you can't beat this game. I feel like people think they have to beat this game no, to call themselves game. a gamer. Yeah. And it's like, no, I think I beat this game twice in my life. <laughs> and I think both times I probably used some version of the different warp zones. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever beaten this game by playing 32 levels in a row with only three lives. Is it cool if you do beat it uh, all in one shot yeah, with cool. three lives? That's really cool. In fact, I'd go as far as saying that that's metal. That's so metal. That's so metal of you to to get through the whole game like that. And that's probably the way a lot of people who are like real NES players who played this console like day in and day out throughout the console's lifespan. That's probably how they beat this game like multiple times. But with today's like standards of games and like being used to like, you know, some kind of save state mm-hmm. or being able to like start at least at the beginning of the world. I just don't think it's very fair to say like, oh, you're not really a gamer until you beat Super Mario Brothers. You're all gamers, guys. Everybody's game. Did you play a game in your life? Yeah. Even if it was in <laughs> That was our special guest listener right yeah. there, like just chiming in. You're, 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 you're a gamer or you're, you're a gamer boy or a gamer girl, uh, yeah. whatever, whether you play games or not. I mean, you know, you have to play games, but it doesn't matter if you beat them. I, yeah, I would say that, like, the only thing that makes a gamer a gamer is playing games. Yes. Great. Glad we got that through. Oh, <laughs> I, I agree. Good. <laughs>
So we're all here. We all have agreed now on the official uh, Encarta Encyclopedia definition <laughs> of what a gamer is. So let's talk uh, very quickly about the power-ups, okay? Kind of the same way we talked about the enemies. Uh, mushroom. Makes you big. <laughs> makes you big. Makes you big. Fire flower. Uh, makes you big, makes changes, you changes your clothes, makes you spicy. and makes you shoot fire from your hands. Apparently also the only the only normal way to defeat Bowser, according to Sean, okay. is with the fire flower. <laughs> uh, Starman. Uh, makes you invincible. That's also very spicy. And makes you glow. And a new song. A great song. Great song. It goes a little bit Not like... Not long enough. Because if it was any longer, it'd be too easy. Yeah. It would also like great on you. Like that was it's a very annoying song. Also, why don't they why do they call him Star Man instead of Star? Eyes. Eyes. I know, but like what is it really? Is that like you a tone that was turned know. into a star? Everything else is Star Man. I would yeah. love the lore on the Star Man. Uh and then of course, one up mushroom, uh, which obviously gives you a an extra life. But can we just talk about one, how iconic this power up is over the other ones for some reason. I mean, like if you think about it, the one up is like a huge, like you see that in gaming, like as a gaming icon mm. and now it's gone. Like in Super Mario Odyssey, it's not even a thing anymore. You don't need yeah. lives. It's kind of weird to see something that's been so important in, and we were talking about how important it is in this game. Like one up mushrooms are rare. They're usually not just like given to the player. Like they're not just like, Oh, just follow it along. It's like, Follow it along, jump over these obstacles, make sure it stays on the screen the whole time, and then mm. if you're lucky, it'll drop down in front of you instead of going in the gap. Yeah. So I think that's really cool, and I think it's, like, a reason to enforce the idea of, like, your lives matter. Yeah. You know, they're not just like, hey, three strikes and you're out. It's like, three strikes or you might not want to play this game again for a whole nother day. That's <laughs> true. Coins, I feel like those are really yeah, important. Yeah, we talked about how they're important. Yeah. yeah. If you, if 99 of them, get 100, you, 100 get yeah. you the extra life. Uh, so definitely, like, collect the coins. I think a lot of people just, like, it skip over them. It you to collect the coins. Yeah, it's it's just, like, it's it's a rewarding part of the game. And it's, like, nice that they included something as, like, important as this life system to reinforce so many of the mechanics of the game. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, these coins are just, like, really random. Because, like, no one's playing for score here. Yeah. Right? Like, did you yeah. once look at your score where you're like, oh, no. 20,000 points? Like, who cares? <laughs> It's is a story game. We've touched upon that. Yeah, it's a story <laughs> game. It's a story game. I play this game for story. I want to know who's that princess? Where's she at? Why is she in another castle? And okay, so let's just talk really quickly about World One One here, guys. Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, World I like 1-1, it. One One, and here's here's why I want to talk about it. Okay, it's it's we're not gonna do any like you know game makers toolkit here or something. Like <laughs> it's been done to death how how well designed this game is, but. I just want to ask from like a, a personal perspective on World One One, as a tutorial level, did you ever like did you ever die on this yes. level? Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first the first screen I've died before. You've died on the first Goomba that fall that comes <laughs> yeah. through. That's, I mean it, it's hard to do. It is hard to do. But all you have to do is just not be paying attention at all and uh try and rush headlong and mm-hmm. you will accidentally run into it. Yeah. yeah. I and feel it, like I've done that too. <clears throat> Sorry. I feel like I've done that too. Yeah, and I think, like, one thing that's really cool about uh, World 1-1 uh, that's kind of been done to death now in Super Mario Brothers games and just, like, games in general is the idea that there is no, like, hey, this mushroom does that or, hey, stomp on this Goomba. You just learn as you go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no game after Super Mario Brothers got this, like, idea in their heads until, like, Mega Man X, which did it, like, perfectly. Like, if anything explains how to play the game better than Super Mario Brothers does, it's Mega Man X because that game also does the same thing where it says, 
we're not going to tell you how to do any of these mechanics, but you need to figure out each one to get through the stage. And I think like Mario Brothers does that really well, because if you think about it, that first mushroom, it's really like unavoidable if you just test it out. Like if you're if you have no curiosity and you're like, I don't care what those blocks do, I'm just going to keep walking through the stage. You'll never meet it. But if you do hit the uh, the question mark block and get the mushroom to come out, the course is designed in a way that it's going to bump that mushroom back right into you. And you're going to be forced to figure out like, oh, mushrooms make me big. Yeah, <laughs> I do have another example of uh, just uh, the extent of my incompetence. OK. At uh, Mario. Can't wait. So you hit you hit the square with the mushroom and then you hit the square next to it. Which will push It'll the mushroom backwards. Send it backwards, and then and you can't then you get can't it. can't retrieve it. I have definitely done that before. <laughs> but, but do you think that Tezuka and Miyamoto would have ever, you know, been like, oh, I bet someone will approach this stage backwards from the very beginning. Like, you know, it's probably like something that they never encountered in playtesting because you probably because shouldn't be that facing bad. that direction. No, I was facing Especially the correct direction. Especially when it's enforced that, like, you can't go backwards. Yeah. You know, we talked about if there's one thing that Kung Fu managed to do cool was that you could go back and forth to the level, even though there's no reason, no to, go reason to go backwards. At least in Mario Brothers, you want to go backwards, but you're kind of punished for not, like, seizing the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carpe you know? diem. Right. I, it's like, oh, I would have loved to have gotten those extra coins, but now I'm blocked out of that part of the game. And I think that that's actually a feature, not a limitation. Yeah, I believe so. But in Super Mario All-Stars, I think they fixed that. I don't know for certain. I'm not sure. In Deluxe, you can't go back. So in Deluxe, also. you can't go back? You can't. That's important to know. You, you can look up here. and down, though. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about um, Deluxe and those games, because we're just going to really quickly just talk about the other versions of the game. Really quickly, we talked about Deluxe. One thing that's really cool about Deluxe is that it adds the overworld map that became familiar in Super Mario Bros. 3. Mm. Uh, it also adds the red coin levels, and it also adds like a, not a co-op, but like a versus mode between you and another player directly on the same screen. Mm. Uh, yeah, with the, with the link cable, you kind of like play this game where you like open and close doors to get further into the level. So it's like... Well, you're playing about, Gyromite? No, 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 no. But like you're... Yeah, it's like Gyromite, where if you're both professors and you're each trying to shut each other out of the other doors. Right. So if Mario stomps on the switch, all of his doors are open and Luigi can't get to his doors until he stomps on a switch to close out Mario and get to his doors. So it is kind of like a race to the finish in a fun, neat way that, um, you know, I think... Would have been welcomed on the NES version, but it was probably impossible. Yeah. Due to how much was already being done in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, we have the verse Super Mario Brothers uh, arcade game in it. And it's like, I'm sure people are tired of hearing about how every single like NES launch game, if we're being real, got a verse system uh, equivalent to it. Which isn't true. That's Not all they, of them did. They made a lot of bank that way. Yeah, they made a lot of bank that way. And this one comes after. But I think what's really cool about this one is that it is actually some new levels. It's familiar enough to Super Mario Brothers 1 to be deceiving. Like, you think you know what's going to happen, and then they'll place, like, an invisible block in a spot that, like, you know, you normally would be safe to jump in and you would die. Uh, it would have, like, different, like, Goombas or, you know, like, order show up. So it was, like, tricky enough where it actually fooled the player who knew it the best and would be kind of, like, refreshing to someone who didn't memorize the levels. Mm-hmm. So there's just, like, a neat touch. And weirdly enough, Available on Nintendo Switch. 
Unlike the regular version. Unlike the regular version. Right now, you can only play Verse Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo Switch. You can't play regular Super Mario Brothers. And I think it's like eight bucks and comes with like a lot of like weird things. So I think it's worth checking out if you're interested in like a whole new way to play the original Super Mario Brothers because it is a you know mostly redesigned uh, take on that game. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about Super Mario All Stars, which is just a really cool graphical change to it. Uh, I think maybe some minor things were changed in terms of like how yeah. how Mario controls, but I would definitely recommend like trying both versions. I don't think like I don't think Super Mario Brothers gets stale at any point unless you continue to play, play, play until you beat, beat, beat. That's why I say like it's not bad if you don't beat this game. Yeah, like this is a game that's meant to just be like enjoyed and try. I'll try again another day. Mm-hmm. So those are the versions of those games. Uh, I think I've covered about everything I want to cover. Do you guys have any stray thoughts? I mean, we have we've littered this podcast with with our stray thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're going to get a fine for this. one. Yeah, th- this uh, this might break FCC regulate. No, um, <laughs> no, we we have gushed about this game and uh, riffed on this game for the past hour or so. Um, I I. I I I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that at the time of release, this was probably the best video game ever made. I I would have to agree. Mm -hmm. Just even like definitely looking at like the NES games that we've talked about. This is hands down the best NES game. So if we're thinking about the scope of like everything that was out at that time, what does this compete up against? Uh, (laughs) Pac-Man, E.T., Pac-Man, Pong, uh, Space Invaders. And those games... Hey, very addictive, very fun. Not just Mario. not in the same ballpark. <laughs> yeah. They're just there's there's still every every game before Super Mario Brothers feels like it's being held back by arcade limitations and this feels like the first console yeah. experience. And we we finally figured out what a couch a game that you play on your couch is supposed to feel like with, with And Mario this. will continue to find this, too. We'll find this in Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo as a launch game. We'll find this in Super Mario 64, which, like, redefined how you do 3D. Yeah. Uh, we'll see this in Super Mario Galaxy, which kind of, like, redefined the way that, like, we play platformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's just, it's very interesting how Nintendo continues to take the same character and not force them to be Super Mario but force them to fit these new game mechanics. It's always about the mechanic first, and I think that's what makes Super Mario Brothers stand out, is that the jump was designed correctly, the levels were designed in in a specific way to reward or hurt the player, depending on how they go about it, and that's what makes Super Mario Brothers really satisfying. Yeah. I think, with that in mind, we should probably talk about our essential games list. Uh, all right, guys. I uh, do we need to talk? Do I we think, need to talk I about this? Do I have to, do I have to put a gun to anybody's head? Same, I think we're all on the same page. Okay, so uh, let's just go so around. It sucks, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course. It's just it's Mario. It's, it's Mario. Yeah, Sean. Uh, this game is the NES, and it defined a generation of video games. So yes, it's on the essential games list. And the only other thing I want to add here, because I think like Sam said it so simply with it's Mario. I don't think I think like everybody gets what you mean when you say something like that. And that's what that's what's really cool about Super Mario Brothers. And Sean is 100 percent right about this defining a generation, because every game that kind of comes after this, even if it's not a platformer, even games like The Legend of Zelda will take some cues 
from Super Mario Brothers if we you know if we really think about it and it's just interesting to see how Nintendo takes Super Mario Brothers and continues to run with it this isn't like every idea and then it's exhausted this is just the starting point but I don't want to look at Super Mario Brothers just through this historical lens and I don't really think we've been doing that throughout this episode we're giving it high praise even knowing what else is out there and that's why Super Mario Brothers is essential today not because it was such a good game when it came out but because it's still that same game. Yeah. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers 3 exists, but that doesn't mean that you don't play Super Mario Brothers. That's like telling me that... Just watch Godfather Part 2. Right, because Godfather Part 2 is better than Part 1. It's like, you don't stop playing something else just because something is better. This game is still worth playing. It has to be on your essential list. Even if you play this game and you say, platformers aren't for me, I challenge you to deny that this game still doesn't pack a punch. Pack a punch. And that's all the time we have for this episode of Nostalgia. Join us next time for Tennis. And be sure to play it yourself if you can. I know that that game is probably not going to be Super Mario Brothers level, but hey, tennis <laughs> <laughs> on the NES. Sean digs sports games. I wonder what his opinion is going to be like. I wonder. And Sam, you uh, you are known to speak some French. Uh, da. <laughs> wow. Uh, I thought you were going to try and work in like a love there because of 30 love or something like that. 30 love. Yeah. I have no yeah, idea yeah, where yeah. you're going with yeah. that, to be honest. All right. That's, that's yeah. fine. I, I think I, I really threw a curveball. Yeah. Usually these things are just like me reading them. But I wanted you guys to know that like this isn't some pre recorded message. We're real people. We really care that you guys are listening. <laughs> and that's why I'm saying thanks for listening. And be sure to go to nostalgiacast.com. That's N E S T A L G I A cast.com. There, you'll find links to the show and show notes, which we peppered in a lot for Super Mario Brothers episode. Uh, and also, you can find our Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. We've got a social platform for it. You want our MySpace? You want our Carfox, Carfax thing? Carfax. Yeah, like, we'll get you the Carfax, okay? Uh, and um, I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me on at Esposito Film on Twitter, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> talk about what's that it's it there's the whole question is it mario or mario oh, and i don't have an do answer that. and don't, i have an it's answer mario it is mario no it's not <laughs> all right good night wait here's good night really mario have, here's how you really have the out who are you everyone just listen to me i'm the i'm the audience and this is what i want everyone sing the end of the mario overworld together okay and we're available for birthday parties, so you know we can. I can show up like Mario, Sean. You could be Luigi, and uh, Sam. Now that you're familiar with the Super Mario Brothers movie, you can show up as Raptor Yoshi. Ooh, you know, like, <laughs> with the chain and everything. Uh, really, though, this is now it for this very long episode of Nostalgia Cast. So one more time, guys, let's sign off. Do 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 do